Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night shiur. This week's shiur, part for the regular dedications, is dedicated to Shmuel ben Adina, Adina and, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, is the outside tonight? Today was the outside, I'm not sure. And some should have an aliyah. Should be a good better for his whole family. Um, also, of course, the Nishmas, Anabarach Halevi, Ben Yuda, and Amelia Basara. Bas Sara. This week is Pashas Vayakil Pakude. We don't say Pashiyos Vayakil Pakude, we say Pashas Vayakil Pakude. The two Pashas is known as one Parsha when they are linked together, when they read together. This Shabbos is also Pashas Porro. Gotta adjust things over here. Okay, microphone was out of, out of whack. The Shabbos also Pashas Pora. Shabbos Mevorchim HaChodesh Chodesh Nisan. Which ultimately makes the next Shabbos, either the Shabbos before Rish Chodesh or the Shabbos Rish Chodesh. It happens to be Shabbos Rish Chodesh Nisan Habal in the Teva Pashas Vayikra. And therefore Pora, which is connected to HaChodesh, as we've mentioned many times, Pashas Zoch Pashas Golem is the Shabbos before or Shabbos Mevarch, either Shabbos Mevarchim or Shabbos Eshchedish. Other Pashas Zocher is the Shabbos before Purim, not related, not connected to Shkolim. So that could be, as there was this year, a lull between the two. Pashas Pora is not connected to Pashas Zocher, and therefore, as this year, there's no connection. The Pasha in between um, Zocher, which was the Shabbos before Purim, and Pora, which is this Shabbos, there was a Shabbos in between Pasha Kistisa, which was a regular Shabbos, and this Shabbos is Pasha's Pora. Pasha's Pora, though, is connected to HaChedesh, and Pasha's Pora is always the Shabbos before HaChedesh. So whenever HaChedesh is, Pora is before that. And he, since Parshas HaChedesh is a Shchedesh Nisan. Hence, Parshas Pora this Shabbos, Shabbos Mevarchim, Chedesh Nisan. We lost... No, what's going on? Did I lose somebody just calling in? I'm not sure. Let's see. Um, see if we can pick him up. Okay. Bayakil Pekudeh also, as you know, Chazak of Chumash Shmeis. To which we say Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazek. Based on the words that were spoken to Yeshua about Chazak of Teda and the strengthening of Teda, and we do it in a triple fashion Chazak, Chazak, and then it's Chazak. This way, each and every Jew is connected to Teda at all times. Why does my phone keep doing that? Okay. A, in connection to a Yarzeit, or in connection to the year of Avelis, the year of saying Kaddish after a parent, a mother, a father. Pasha's Parah is extremely relevant and connected. The mitzvah of Parah Aduma is a chayk. Not just a chayk, but zeis chukas ha When it comes to chukim in the teira, 
what is a chik? What is the the most important or prominent chik of the Tera? Is Pasha is a para aduma. Now, truth to be told, where is this camera facing? Scranton, do you see me? Why don't you see me? Where's my camera here? Very awkward. No. I don't understand. I don't know what happened here when my camera's off. something that looks worse than it was before. Sorry, okay. <laughs> I don't know why I just did that. Um, there it is. There you go. Okay. Went on and went off again. There we go. Welcome. Okay. Sorry. The Sheikh of Paraduma. The paraduma, as we know, needs to be a completely red heifer. It cannot have any blemishes. It cannot have any white hairs. It needs to be completely red. The blood, the ashes, are mixed with water. And this is then taken by a, a special kayin, and this kayin will then ultimately spray the people that are tame the mace. People that became impure from coming in contact with a dead person are sprayed with the paraduma. One of the parts of its being a chayk is that this very same water, the same concoction, same spray, that's being sprayed on whoops, okay, that same concoction that's sprayed and what's going on here? Why is this doing this to me today? Okay, we ran into a difficulty. So let me try to add Adam here, because Adam apparently does not know there's a shear. Adam Tress. Okay, good. I'm getting your texts and your messages there. Um, What is going on? Why does my phone do that? Okay. The very same mixture that sprays and makes the kohen, makes the person pure, makes the kohen tummy. 
So this is one of the chukim, which are totally not understood. Remains a question. And this, of course, is also the concept of purification. As you mentioned, the purification of the person that's tummy the mace, which also, of course, tells us the purification, the ultimate revival when it comes to Mashiach, when Mashiach will come, and by Tchias HaMesim, everybody will be considered tummy the mace. Whoops, wrong thing. No, why, why are you not calling Skype? You'd rather be on the phone than Skype? Skype is not working. This is very ironic. Let me call you back on Skype. Hold on. Um, Scranton, I'm going to hang up and I'll call you both back. Hold on. supposed to be a technician for these things. Okay. Um... No, let's get them both. Okay, this is a group. Start video call. Now let's see if this works. Oops. Couldn't kill the volume. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know if I got both of you or not. I know I see Scranton, I don't see the other one. Okay. Um, we have to call Atlanta. I don't know why it didn't pick up. Um, okay, I'm sorry, this is something that's getting off the charts here. So Paraduma represents and is going to be used. The tenth Paraduma will be brought in the time of Mashiach, and the time of Mashiach when Moshe will be able to spray with the Kahanim, will be able to spray each and every Jew, and everybody will be purified, and everybody will be able to serve and come into the Holy Temple. Um, Everybody will be able to serve at the Holy Temple. So this being one of the four Pashas, Pashas Pada, which is of course very, very relevant to all of us as we anticipate the tenth Pada Duma, the one that each and every one has the ashes of the first Pada Duma, and the tenth Pada Duma, which ultimately will be brought in the time of Mashiach, which will be hopefully today. It should be surely today. Um, we're having a very difficult time transmitting this today. I don't know why. Oh, you're on there. Okay, you picked up, I hope. Um, the Chazak of Chumash Shmeis. We know not Tchilasim B'Seifam, Seifam B'Tchilasim. That the beginning and the end of a Chumash needs to always be connected. We have spoken many times the famous Chazak of Shemais, which is the last part of, Shem- of the Chumash talks about when the Mishkan is brought before Meshe Rabbeinu and Meshe Rabbeinu and they tell, they say, we have it all together, we have everything here, but we cannot stand it up. It doesn't stand up. What do we do? So Meshe Rabbeinu is in a dilemma. And Meshe Rabbeinu turns to Rabbeinu Shlelem. And says, Rabbeinu Shlelem, what do we do? How do we stand up this Mishkan? And Rashi tells us, the Abish says to Meshe, put your hand to it. As if you're going to lift it. 
Put your hand to it to lift up the Mishkin. Mesha and his ominous wisdom and his complete Kabbalah's ill as a Evet Hashem put his hand to it as if he was going to lift the Mishkan itself, although everyone was saying they couldn't. <coughs> and as he put his hand to it, the Mishkan rose up and came together. And it stood. We also see at the end, at the beginning of the Chumash Shemesh's story, the first relevant story to us, which is relevant to call yourself forever and ever, is when baby Moshe again, but this time baby Moshe is floating in the Nile. And he's floating in the Nile, and Bhatti Baspare comes to the Nile, for whatever reason it is, <coughs> she sees a baby, and she wants to save this baby, she hears it crying, but the baby's far, so either send a servant in to swim and to go get it. But her instinct was to save this baby by herself. She wanted to save the baby. She just reached out to touch, to grab the baby. And there are those opinions, the commentaries that say that her arm elongated. It became longer. Her arm stretched. And she was able to bring in the crib of baby Moshe. Needless to say, this is a very profound connection between the two, the beginning and the end of the Chumash. A message telling us all, if we apply ourselves, we can accomplish. And there are many times that we face many different obstacles in life. There are many times we feel that there is something we cannot overcome. There are many times we feel that a mission is too hard for us. It's, there's too much being asked of us. Let us know the Tera that this is never the case. And that we always need to apply ourselves. If you apply yourself, you will succeed. We find in the beginning of this parsha, in general, the question arises. Truma and Tetzaveh told us all about the Kalim of the Mishkan, of the construction, how it had to happen. Vayakal and Paku, they repeat it all. What's the repetition? And the repetition tells us that everything that was talked about, all those Kalim that you were talked about and told, how, <coughs> what dimensions they needed, etc., Vayas. They were made. They were actually done. No. For that, I need two full parashas. For that, I need one posik that says, and everything that had to be done was done. And that's it. Gamarno. Why two full parashas for this? Why such a vast repetition when every word in the Tate is accounted for? And the Rashi tells us that similarly we find by the story of Eliezer and Eved Yitzchak, Eved Avram. This Eliezer Eved Avram went to do make to get the Shidduch for Yitzchak. And when he went to do the Shidduch for Yitzchak, the Tate tells us every detail that happened, the trans, the, what, transpi- what transpired. The conversation between Avram and Eliezer, Eliezer's conversation when he went to get it, the Rivka and everything else. Then Eliezer comes back, and Avram says, "Nu, vasigishen." He spoke in Yiddish. They only spoke Yiddish, even though Eliezer was a slave, but he spoke Yiddish. Vasigishen, and he tells Avram again the whole story, and the Tater repeats the words again, the whole story. To tell us, says the Tehidah, how dear is the story, how dear are the words of the Eved Hashem, to teach us a lesson that how much 
dear, how special and dear are the words of Hashem Himself. They tell the story of the Hashem HaKadosh. It was out of Pesach, the night before Pesach. And usually the Hashem was in a very spiritual mood. But the Chomets, burning of the Chomets, preparing for the baking of Erev Pesach Matzis. It was a very spiritual time. And this, this night, Hashem was not. Just not. And they saw a very, very severe demeanor on the Bashemtiv. And the Bashemtiv told everybody, please, Davin, Davin, he said. And he himself took himself off to his room. A while later, one of the Hasidim entered his room, his holy room, and found the Bashemtiv on the floor practically unconscious his eyes staring off to a different world and he knew the Bashemta was somewhere very very severe then he ran out and told all the chassidim what was going on and everybody started to cry and to daven with more fervor and to say to heal them all night in the morning, the Bashemta asked to be helped to the mikveh. He, had, he was drained. He didn't have the strength. And the Arab Pesach Matzahs were without song. And the Bashemta said to have in mind the songs, the prayers, the requests that we request on the new year, Shani Yom Kippur. The somber mood stayed until the Seder. The Bashem HaKadosh sat out to the Seder, to the Holy Seder of the Bashem HaKadosh. And as he sat down, he was just not himself. And he started to concentrate. And he was listening to something. And his eyes opened in amazement. And then he started to shake his head. And as the Seder was continuing, the Bashem all of a sudden gave a little bit of a chuckle. And all of a sudden again was back to this here, this, 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 this very, very serious mode. And it went back and forth. And all of a sudden, the Bashem jumps up and says, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov! What Yisrael could, what Amne Yisrael can do, the simplest of Am Yisrael accomplishes more than Yisrael himself. Chassidim were mesmerized. They started to join in the joy of the Bashem HaKadosh. And they started to jump up and down and dance and sing in a joy that had been pent up within them for the last 24 hours. And they rejoiced and rejoiced So they couldn't breathe anymore. And the winded Chassidim sat down on the floor or on the benches. And the Bashemtiv said, I will tell you what happened. I saw in heaven a heavenly decree against a city. 400 families were in danger of being wiped out, Rahman al-Islam. 400 Jewish families. And this was to happen tonight after the Seder. And I begged, and I pleaded, and I davened, and I asked all of you to daven. And then, I offered my own soul. I said, take me, but don't do this to these people. Don't Shalom destroy 400 families. Take my soul better. But my, all my beseechments were turned down. And I was at a loss. How? How can I sit by 
and know that Rahman al-Islam, what's going to happen to these 400 families. And I sat down to the Seder. And I heard a very simple Yid sit down to his Seder with his very simple plainister. And they started to read the Haggadah. And she heard in the Haggadah the words saying that Pari made a decree that all the Jewish children, should be, all the boys, should be thrown into the Nile and drowned. She was mortified. She says, what is this? How is this possible? You're a father to the children. How would you allow such a thing? And the husband said, if the Abishas said this is how it has to be, it has to be. I trust the Abishas does the right thing all the time. And they drank the second cup and the third cup. And she's continuously asking and badgering about what's going on in this gullus. How are we going on? Until after the fourth cup of wine. And they were both affected by it. And she stood up and she said, Enough! Enough, Rebbeinu Shalom, you took us out of Mitzrayim. You need to take us out of this gullus as well. And the husband, being in a very good spirited mood, jumped up with her. And they got so excited. And they said, And they started to sing and dance. And this ultimate great joy and great emunah pshuta, says the Vashantav, broke the decree against this city. And this I saw as a great tremendous simcha but something that I could not do. The Bashem HaKadosh, the Moshe Rabbeinu of his generation. And we look at Moshe Rabbeinu, his actions, in this week's Pasha. The commandment HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, how to set up the Mishkan. Bayim HaKadosh Harishin. In the day of the first month, on the first day of the month, set up the Mishkan Beautiful. All the things that had to happen in the Mishkan. And then, bring the Mizbechis. Two altars needed to be brought into the Mishkan as well. Mizbech HaPnimi, which is the Mizbech HaZov, and Mizbech HaKitza, which is Mizbech HaNacheshes. Two altars, the gold and the silver, the one, the gold, the gold and copper, the one of gold, went inside in the Kodesh with the Meneira and the Shulchan, and the other was outside in the Azara. What was the Mizbech Hazav for? We spoke about this last week, but it was brought for Ketedus. We spoke about it in Pashat Tzavah. It was brought for Ketedus. And when the Ketedus were brought, these incense, the Incense were brought. Only the Kayan doing this was allowed to be in there, in the Kaidish. And it says, we said last two weeks ago, even the Malachim, even the angels were told they do not have right to enter. And the second altar, the Zbeach was called, was by the Pesach made the doorway. And so it would be. And the potato goes on to tell us how, what, when, and where. So according to this, Moshe was told, put the Mizbeach A here and B there. And that's it. But we see that in the continuation of the parasha tells us, Moshe did it. He set everything up. And then it also says, 
Why? He was only told to put the Mizbeach in his place. He was not told to utilize it for its purpose that it needs to be utilized, but he was not told to do that. And then Ashbam explains, and many other commentaries, that the job of Ayakterol of Ktedis and Vayalol of Esaila perhaps that was not done through Mesha. He put them as Bechas where it had to be, and the rest was done. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was Mesha, it was done through Aaron, his brother. Because Aaron was ultimately the one that needed to follow through with everything. But in our explanation on the Tera, Rashi says, Mesha brought all the Karbanas. Vayalala v'gema. Af vayem ashmini l'miluim on the eighth day of the miluim of the fulfilling the Mishkan, shu yem akomas ha-Mishkan, which is the day the Mishkan was set up. Shemesh, Mesha, Mesha served and did everything that needed to be done. Vehikriv kabanas tibur, and he brought up the Kabbalah Sibur, Chutz Meisen Shinistava Aaron Bebeim, except for the Kabbalahs, the sacrifices that Aaron was commanded to bring that day, everything else Meisha did. Hmm. So we know that Aaron was appointed to do several different things. <coughs> Sorry, but the regular Kabbalah Sibur that are done on a daily basis, Meisha did. The day after, Aaron and his children took over. But on that day, the eighth day, Moshe did all this. So we see that Moshe did, in essence, bring on them as bakers what needed to be brought. Also, we need to understand what the Pasuk is getting so long-winded about. On the eighth day, which is the day that they set up the Mishkan, we know what happened that day. Meisha served. Rashi should have said it very simple. Meisha hikriv. Meisha brought forth. Why the whole long dialogue? When Rashi says that he brought up the Eila and the Mincha, Ha'oila and Ha'mincha, not Eila u'mincha, not just a regular Karben Eila and a Karben Mincha, but rather the Eila Mincha, the famous one. They were a special Eila and Mincha. When the Mishkin was set up, which was Aleph Nisan, the seventh days of the Miluim, that Mesha prepared the Mishkan and Aaron and his children for the Kuhuna. We know that Mesha did everything. And they watched. Because they were not yet sanctified for this. And Mesha, of course, brought also the Kabanis, the Karman Tamid, the Eila and its Mincha. The Gurari in Pashashmini writes that during the Yimei Miluim, they only brought up Karbanas that were connected with the Miluim. They didn't bring up the Ketedis, which was set up for generations thereafter. And they didn't bring up the Tmidim. But according to the simple shot of the Pasuk, it's clear that Meisha brought up this carbon tamid. In Pashtit Tzaveh, 
he enumerates the Pasuk, the special order of the Meha Milim, and continues there. These are the ones that have to be brought. And it comes out clearly, one continuation here, that the Tomid and the beginning of the Shiva Simeim and this is how Rashi also explains the Pashas Pinchas. So when Rashi, when the Pasuk says, Ho'elo, and Ha-Mincha, the famous ones, it obviously is talking about the Eila and the Mincha, the famous ones, from the Shiva Simei that was brought, that he brought up. Not through Aaron, the regular way, which happened then after, but rather through Meisha. And therefore this is what Rashi says, even on the eighth day he did it. Because from the way the Pasuk says, Ha'ila and Ha'mincha, it teaches us it was a continuation of the Eila and the Mincha of the seven days prior. And therefore, also on the eighth day, on the ninth day, the next day, Aaron and his children took, took over. So we see from here proof that Meisha brought the Tomid, the Eila and the Mincha, but we still don't see that he brought the incense, that he brought the Ketelis. So that's what Rashi is telling us. Meisha served and brought all the Kabbanis Tibur, which means to tell us inclusive of the Ketelis that were brought up. That this also fits into the Gabbana Sibur, everything that had to happen. So we just simply explain since by the Tomid we know that Maisha did it, why would it all of a sudden split off? Why would it branch off and he wouldn't do this as well? So Rashi therefore says that Meisha brought also the Ketelis. Although the Pasuk itself does not necessarily tell us that. So this in addition now, what Rashi, explaining according to Rashi, that the Ketelis Ketelis of that day was also done through Meisha, we see Vayakter Olav Ketelis, when he brought upon the Ketelis, Loshen Shachris Va'arvis, morning and evening, Shnema Babakin, Babakin, Retivas and Nadis. Just like when he cleans the Nadis, morning each day. So if the actual, you want to explain to me that the actual intention here, Vayakter Olav Ketelis, is to Aaron. Because he began the dictators to be marked the dictators like a chedek of the Vedas HaKedesh, according to the order. We don't understand what Rashi is saying. The chadish bazesh who hiktir, shachas varvis. A chidish, the fact that he was marked in the morning and the evening. So the time Pashat Tzava explains this very clearly. He simply explains on a simple basis from itself that Aaron did this mitzvah the way it says every single day. But according to what we just learned now, it comes out clearly that since Vayakter al of Ketedis, he brought upon the Ketedis, this goes to Moshe, this refers to Moshe, which he was the one that brought about the Ketedis on that day, which is a Chiddush, but it was a Chiddush of all the seven days, 
So there could be a thought, perhaps, that he brought also this one time, as we said, and therefore we say according to Rashi, that Mechadish Ba'isa Yem Kiyam Mesha as Haktara Kitikuna Shachris Varavis. That Mesha indeed involved himself in Haktara's Ketanis in the morning and in the evening. We find at the end of the Chumash. And when the Anan rose up from the Mishkan, the Jews began their journey. And so finishes Chumash Shemais. Chumash Shemais is referred to, in English they call it Exodus, Book of Exodus. But according to Ramban, it's called Sefer Hagaula, being that it's basically based on the redemption of Mitzrayim, and the redemption of Egypt is the redemption, is the leading, is the opening of redemptions for all other redemptions that take place. And we find the reference we're talking to about, about here is the establishing of the Mishkan. The revelation of the Shekinah that was in it. And at the end, the Taylor says, The Jews stayed put in one place as long as the Anon rested on the Mishkan. Once the Anon rose from the Mishkan, the Jews began to journey. We have a double question here. First of all, what does this have to do with Akamas HaMishkan? This has to do with later, Elam Asibin Yisrael, the journeys of the Jews. Secondly, from these words we're hearing that the journeys and they're getting closer to Israel, to the Holy Land. How did that happen? How did it come about? When the Shekhinah left the Jews. When it rose up. Why? How ironic is that? And the answer to these two questions are in essence, one. We need to understand our mission, our life mission. The Mishkan, creation, all this is reflected upon with the journey of the Jew. When does the journey of the Jew take place? When the Anan rises off of us. When we are resting with the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah is resting upon us, we're not completing the mission. We're not doing anything spectacular. Because we have Kedusha, the holiest of holy, resting upon us. What is the purpose of creation? What is the man's purpose on this world? To reach the Kedusha, even when, the, the, to, even when this Kedusha is hidden from us. It looks as if it's separated from us. It lifted away from us. I wish there was a reason for these things. Okay. 
And it looks like it's not here. The Medish tells us, and it's a famous Medish, Nisava Kodesh Baruchu, Liyaz Leidira Betachtenim. The Almighty had a taiva to make a dwelling place here on this world. Honestly speaking, Tachtenim, here below, is there, in essence, a above and a below when it comes to God? God is everywhere, equally. God does not leave his Pamaya Shemaila and come down to the Tayyadira B'Tachtenim. God remains above and below, and he has violation, He does not change. But what is Tachtenim? Tachtenim is a place where we don't see revealed holiness. Where the Ruchnius, the great spirituality, is hidden. This is the Kavana of the creation. This is why we are created. The place, this Tachtenim, where there is no revelation of Shekhinah, this becomes a Dira Lakadish Baruch Even though the holiness is not ultimately totally revealed here on its own, the Jews through Teirah and Mitzvahs accomplish to bring it into this mundane world. So when the Anan Hashem finds itself here Lamata and everyone sees the revelation of the Shekhinah the world could think that Tachtein where this, where, this is where Tachtein is and therefore within the Tachtein you cannot bring in the Shekhinah only when the Anan Hashem is there on top of it. And the light is permeating it. But when it's not, and we don't see it, then the Jew begins his journey. Then the Jew begins in Hakshoma Sirat Hashem. So as long as it rested on the Mishkan, which was to nurture Am Yisrael, to give it the Kayach, to bring the holiness in the world, and only when when it rose up, Dafka then was the journey does the journey take place? And that's why the end of the Chumash, talking about Hakomis Hamishkan, talks about Heolis Hamishkan, Heolis Anun, because this is the reason for the Mishkan Hashem to teach us what a dwelling place actually is—a mundane gold-silver edifice, wood edifice. carpets and curtains, all physical, worldly physical things, housed the Shekhinah. And this is our ultimate message for today's day. Am Yisrael finds itself soaking in the exile, in the Golas. The darkness envelops the world. This is when one needs to work hardest. To work on Teda and Mitzvahs. We are not allowed to fear the darkness of the Golos. 
Adrabe. Just the opposite. We need to understand that this is the reason that we are here. Because the darkness. So that we should bring light to this darkness. And just like when the Shekhinah left from the Mishkan, this was a sign to travel, so is the darkness of our exile a sign for us to overcome, to persevere, to forge ahead. And this is an extremely difficult task. Because there are times we find ourselves in a very, very difficult place. Where we find ourselves in a dark place and we don't know how to crawl out. We find ourselves enclosed in enveloped locked in to barriers that we have built ourselves that we have made ourselves into and we say we don't want we can't we don't want to overcome we don't want to look to overcome we don't have the power the potential, the care to overcome we gave up we gave up the fight tells us the Eidas of the Shechina. I raise up, that's when you need to travel. That's when you need to persevere. You need to forge ahead. You need to bring light to darkness. And the Teda tells us that Meshach could not go in as long as it was there. But yet, the next Pasuk is by Yikra al the beginning of the next Chumash, Maisha is called to the Ayomayid. And therefore, when he finishes, we finish off over here, Melech Samishkan the Taylor tells us, Bayar Maisha is Kola Malacha. Maisha saw everything they did. And what does Maisha do? Maisha blessed him. Rashi says, What was his blessing? May it be the will that the Shechina should rest in the work of your hand, the toil of your hands. Of the God upon us. And the question is asked. The Malachas HaMishkan took place in a unified fashion. The entire nation chipped in. Men, women, they brought the donations to the Mishkan. Why does Mishkan not bench all the partners that took place here? He benches the Chachmelev, the people, the geniuses that actually did the work here. And the blessed, the, simp- the answer is very simple. We don't need to actually enumerate Mishkan's bracha. It doesn't need to be expressed to all the donors. That's understood. We know that he blessed and gave a shakayak to everyone that gave. And it, excuse me. And this bracha that Mesha now gives was way before already. When they finished bringing the Trumas, he gave them a shakayak. He blessed them. Here the the tailor wants to tell us a special blessing that Meisha gave over after the Mishkan was completed. When the Mishkan's work was done, they, as we said before, could not stand up the Mishkan. And we said that the tailor tells us, they brought it to Meisha, and Rashi explains, they could not stand it up. What do I do? How can a person possibly lift this? Involve yourself. Put your hand to it. Let it look like you're lifting it up. And it will raise itself up. Therefore we see that after all B'nai Yisrael gave their donations, after the Chachmei Leiv and the Mumchim, the experts went and did all their work, 
they could not stand this Mishkan up. And they had to bring it to Moshe. And it was the Kayach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that stood it up. After all this, we still need to know that this special bracha, this additional bracha, Yehiratzein, Shatish Shechina B'maisi Yadeichem, May the Shechina rest in the hands, in your hands, the, word, the toil of your hands. It's not possible for the person to set up his own, to set up a Shechina, a godly Shechina, with his own hands. And therefore he needs a bracha of Meishir Abinu. That the Veshachanti B'Seichem should take place within the Mishkan, the tabernacle, that's done through his children. From all this we learn a special lesson in our lives. Our mission in this world is to make Mishkan HaKadosh Baruch Every single Jew, through the work and the toil of his hands, builds a Mishkan. They're all builders for HaKadosh Baruch And therefore we are blessed. May the Shechina rest in the work of your hands. This tells us when the work itself is full, complete, and tachlis, it's not enough. The Shechina rests. This has to happen through the blessing of Meishu Rabbeinu. Through connecting to our Meishu Rabbeinu of our generation. This Bastusa the Meishu Bechadara when a Jew is connected with the Rebbe, he receives the Kayach to be Matzliach in his work and to see to it that Shechina rests in his hands and all that he does. And he brings himself together with the Meishe Rabbeinu, with Kal Yisrael. And he requests, V'hinoyam Hashem Aleikeinu Aleinu. And this way he brings the Prat Am Yisrael through the Shleimus Hamitus, through ultimate completion. Six days a week you should work, the beginning of the Pasha, Bayakil, Yemashvi Yilachem Kedesh, Sheshes Yom Zerashi, Hiktum Elazar Shabbos, the Tzivi Melechas Amishkan. The Tzivi of Shabbos came before the working of Amishkan. Lemar, Shane Dechas of Shabbos tell us that this does not push off Shabbos. We are running down to the wire here. We have a question. If the Tzivi of Shabbos here is to teach us that Melechas Amishkan does not take Shabbos, doesn't push away Shabbos, it would be enough to say, why does it have to say the six days you need to work? And the explanation is that six days does not mean only the six days, the six separate days. It tells us there is a kufa, it is a season of its own. The six day era, like we find that says, Shivas, where it says Shivas, it means a whole week. As a Shemena, also. Sheishas. This tells us that this entity of the Sheishas Yomim, you need to work. Not only you can't work on Shabbos, but on the six days, the weekdays, those are days that you're permitted to work. So therefore we find two entities here. The entity of the sixth day and the entity of the seventh of the Shabbos. So now we understand what he says, Because in this we understand the explanation that the Mishkan is not push off Shabbos. Not because Shabbos is also Malacha, but because Malacha is only sanctified for six days. And therefore we see, according to this, Rashi explains the words Sheish Yamim, not Bayyem Ashvi. Even though that he's talking here about the warning of Shabbos, but it's not so much the warning of Shabbos not working as it is the six days to work, 
as we say, that they should not be Savaru Eish Cholmish Vitechem Yom Shabbos Savaru Eish Eish Bechol Mishvitechem ends Eish with Shin Bechol ends with a Lamid Mishvitechem with a Mem which is the letters of Shalom and by not bringing the Eish the burn the fire of controversy into Mishvitechem by being at peace, peace in Shalom Khan, Hakal Khan, and may we merit to the ultimate peace, Hashem Oiz Amayitain, Hashem Yivarech Hashem Yivasholim, and that this Shabbos we should say Chazak, Chazak, Menis Chazak, and we should be in Yerushalayim, in Akedish, with the Shiach Tzidkenu, Shabbat Shalom to all.